On today's episode of the Locked On Texan podcast, Cody and I dive into and discuss the ramifications for the Houston Texans after Aaron Rodgers stays in Green Bay and somewhat of a mega deal that Seattle and Denver Broncos agreed to sending Russell Wilson over to the Broncos and we continue with our mock draft. But before we discuss and dive into all of that, Cody, they ready? Start the countdown. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Texas Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Texas your first listen every day. And we are free and available on all major podcasting platforms. I'm John Hickman, joined by none other than Sports Illustrator's own Cody Davis, here to discuss the Houston Texans and the mega deal somewhat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have my thoughts on that, but the, the somewhat of a mega deal for the Seattle Seahawks and the Denver Broncos. Denver got Russell Wilson in the trade. They've been a quarterback away since their last Super Bowl appearance. And now he goes to a team that's loaded with offensive talent and has a great defense as well. Seattle got back uh, uh, somewhat of a haul for Russell Somewhat. <laughs> Some, I, well, I, I thought they could have gotten much more. But Seattle received uh, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, tight end Noah Fan, who I think is a, a very great young NFL tight end. And the Broncos received Russell Wilson in a fourth-round pick. But before we talk about the ramifications of Russell Wilson being traded to Denver and, of course, Aaron Rodgers staying, we're going to look at what that means for the Houston Texans in terms of the teams that are still out there that are quarterback needy. I do want to give you guys a bit of information. And this is – Per New York Times, I was reading this article, very informative. Uh, Several women who filed criminal complaints against Deshaun Watson have been subpoenaed to appear before a grand jury on Friday, according to their lawyer. The grand jury will decide if criminal charges will be brought against Deshaun Watson. I want to continue with, again, this is from the article, nearly a year after allegations of sexual misconduct against Deshaun Watson were first publicized, several women who filed criminal complaints against him have been subpoenaed to appear before grand jury on Friday, according to lawyer Tony Busby. Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson's lawyer, said on Tuesday that he was delighted that the grand jury was going to meet because those matters have been looming over Watson for too long. Um, and he also continued with he's hoping that the grand jury will make a decision about Watson on Friday. A couple of things that I also want to leave you guys with. Deshaun Watson's $35 million becomes guaranteed on the 16th of March. There are, at least off the top of my head, four teams that are quarterback needy. Washington, Seattle, the Steelers, and Carolina, with Carolina being the favorite, I believe. Cody, uh, with, with Russell Wilson being traded to Denver, uh, what does that actually mean for the Houston Texans moving forward? And moving on from Deshaun Watson. Well, you got to look at it from two ways. First and foremost, of course, you got to take a look at the biggest aspect of this. There is one less suitor 
for Deshaun Watson. And we all know going back to a year ago when Deshaun Watson first demanded his trade from the Houston Texans, the Denver Broncos were, were one of the teams who were actually in play to get their hands on Deshaun. Now you look a year later, and as we all know, of course, everything that, John, you just alluded to, to all of Deshaun Watson off-field issues has played the Houston Texans and Deshaun Watson's future on whether or not how they're going to go about this divorce. But you got to take a look at that reality of the situation. However, on the flip side of things, John, listeners and viewers, I like this trade because I do believe that that trade package that the Seattle Seahawks got in return in order to ship Russell Wilson to the Denver Broncos, I think that should be the standard of what Nick Casario should ask teams in a potential deal for Deshaun Watson. And, John, I know before you and I jump on the podcast. At least a starting price, right? The yeah, yeah, price. at least a starting price. And, John, I know before you, you we jumped on this podcast, you mentioned um, off record how you actually – believe that the Seattle Seahawks should have got a little bit more in return. I do agree given Russell Wilson's talent. However, I think this was the perfect deal for the Seattle Seahawks given Russell Wilson age because look, Russell Wilson is 33 years old. So, at least he has what? Let's say two, maybe three more years of being this elite caliber player that we all have loved over what? Over a decade now. Um Unlike Deshaun Watson, who in in September is going to be 27 years old. And yes, he did sit out a year of football, but Deshaun Watson is still going to be damn good for not just 2022, but let's say the least, let's say for at least the next five seasons. That's if he goes back to playing football. And as we all know, Deshaun Watson has a lot more things to worry about other than whether or not he's going to continue his NFL career. I think you put it the best way, Cody. This is at least the starting asking price. But when we look at teams, like I just mentioned, you look at now the Seattle Seahawks. So, you know, you mentioned that Denver is one less team. I will just say that Seattle mm-hmm. replaced Denver in this. And they have a, a couple of they have a couple of first round picks to throw at if they want to go out there and search the market for them. I didn't think about it like that. And that I also say with Russell going to the AFC West, um, I don't know how Derek Carman, uh, Derek Carman feel about all this, but he may want to get up out of there too. He got to get the hell out of the AFC West. I wouldn't be surprised if teams will start looking at, you know, uh, Derek Carr and maybe trading for him as well. But we'd also look at Washington again, Seattle, the Steelers, uh, and the Carolina Panthers. And uh, for the Texans, for Nick Asirio, you're right. This is the perfect starting price of what you'd want back in return a couple of first round picks a couple of second round picks and some players in return now the difference between russell wilson is he's going to a team that is literally one quarterback away from making a real playoff push and so they gave up no offense but for houston i say the first round picks are good the second round picks are good uh but when you look at getting drew lock shelby harris and Noah Fant back if you're going to get a player I think Houston should ask for a, a player that you know without a shadow of a doubt won't be necessarily a rotational player that you know he can come in and affect either side of the football depending on who you're asking for. Uh, but when I look at it in terms of the Seattle Seahawks, uh, what they got back for Russell Wilson, who's in, who has no off the field uh, issues, excuse me, um, has been 
a leader, a Super Bowl champion. You know, I say for Russell Anderson, if your team makes it to the Super Bowl within two to three years, none of those picks matter. Hmm. None of that matters. And you'll be able to find players, uh, whether that be free agents, whether that be through the draft, you know, lower tier, uh, well, later round draft picks. And so I'm I'm, I'm 100% looking at this Seahawks trade, and a lot of people are bringing up a couple of facts. Like you mentioned, he's a younger quarterback in Deshaun Watson. Um, and, and at this time, he's younger, hasn't played. We'll factor that in. But this mm. is absolutely the starting asking price for the Texans led by Nick Casario. And, John, I, I do want to mention this. And I've been playing around with this idea in my head because with Aaron Rodgers returning to Green Bay, that doesn't really impact the Houston Texans directly. But with him signing a four-year deal, eventually the Packers are going to have to ship Jordan Love off. And I know, of course, here on this show, we are all for Davis Mills. But in an event we want to see a quarterback competition, would it hurt or cost too much for the Texans to get their hands on Jordan Love and let those two guys go out to battle and whoever wins will have an opportunity to be this franchise's next franchise starting quarterback? Because I do believe Jordan Love has talent. Um, I haven't seen him a lot, I, I got to say, but, I mean, and, 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 and also in an event where Davis Mills continue to be a, continue to be the starter of this team. At least you know you have a decent backup quarterback in Jordan Love. He will be yeah. looking for a new home. Yeah, he will. I don't think it should be Houston. And if Houston goes to the free agent market or however they want to attack bringing in a, a, a quarterback, it should be a veteran quarterback with real-time playing experience. I don't think Jordan Love's uh, experience in the NFL – is sufficient enough for the Houston Texans to look at. I think he needs to go somewhere where he has an opportunity to actually play day one. I don't know if he's better than Davis Mills considering the tape of the NFL where we have to judge both of those guys by. So for me, no, not at all. It's that time of year, ladies and gentlemen. Not only is free agency uh, around the corner, we got these deals popping off with Aaron Rodgers getting – $50 $50 million per year with a guaranteed of 153 You got Russell Wilson going over to Denver Broncos. The Tennessee Titans didn't get an opportunity to, uh, well, they didn't choose to, I'd say, franchise tag, Harold Landry. There's a lot of things going on around this time of year. But one thing you don't want to get lost in translation is eating healthier. Now, I know those snacks can come when you're sitting at home watching ESPN, watching the NFL Network. You want a bag of chips. You want something sweet. Got that sweet tooth. I understand. I know how it feels. And that's where Bill Bar comes in. They are covered in 100% chocolate, great on the go, or if you're sitting, and they have the amazing, the best flavors that you could think of. The most thing, the best thing that I like about Bill Bar's, excuse me, is they only have 130 calories, four grams of sugars, and four net carbs, along with 17 grams of protein. Healthy and it does more for your body than a candy bar that usually carries around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen of those net carbs. So you definitely want to check out Bill Bar. Go to Bill.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bill.com. Check out all of those different flavors. Right now, one of my favorites, I just put another order in, is the white chocolate cookies and cream. They also have many different 
a variety of flavors to choose from. So again, go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off. Thanks for making Locked On Texas your first listen every day. Make sure you're following Locked On NFL. Locked On experts covering the biggest stories around the NFL every Monday through Friday in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Cody, before we dive into the draft, which I'm super excited about, Russell Wilson is no longer a Seattle Seahawk. And <laughs> this has absolutely nothing to do with the Texans, but I just can't help but think, you know, how his legacy as a quarterback will be judged. And we've heard, I said it because we've heard Richard Sherman, you know, kind of credit the Legion of Boom more than Russell Wilson. And the last couple of years, Russ hasn't been able to get it done. I also think that the front office could have did a better job with protecting Russ with that offensive line. Um, and I think Russ is one of those very efficient quarterbacks, uh, can throw the deep ball, knows when to use his legs. I love Russ as a quarterback, but now that he's gone, what his legacy will be for the Seattle Seahawks and if he has enough left to go to Denver, who is loaded with talent, Jerry Judy, uh, Cortland, uh, Sutland, uh, it was my boy, uh, Sutland, he's out there. I hope I'm saying his name right. Von Miller says he wants to go back. They got defensive talent. Uh, they have, you know, everything that you want, and they are a quarterback away. So they uh, they may have a possibility to get it done within the next two to three years. I'm excited to see what Russ can do in Denver. Um, can you name a better quarterback in Seattle Seahawks history? Not named Russell Wilson? No. Well, that, there's your that. answer. <laughs> like, 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 that. That, like, there's your answer. And yes, I understand, you know, the Legion of Boom, they should have created a dynasty. And, you know, there was a lot of conflict on why that era of the Seattle Seahawks did not evolve into what I was once considering the Golden State Warriors of the NFL. But look, Russell Wilson, you know, as of right now, I would say, you know, his legacy is a little bit similar to Drew Brees in New Orleans. Well, mm-hmm. you know. You know, shout out to my brother. He said he kind of said the same thing a little bit earlier. Was talking yeah, about. you know, to like, you know, you it's like tear like of course Tom Brady is like in the atmosphere of his own. But after that, you know, you got the the Peyton Mannies, the Joe Montana's, you know, the 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 I don't want to put Aaron Rodgers in this tier, but some people do. But you know, those are like tier one and then right below tier one, but above tier you, you got those guys where maybe if they would have won one more Super Bowl championship, they would have definitely been in that tier one. And that's why I actually have my possibly favorite player of all time, Drew Brees, in that between tier one and tier two level. And I as think, of right I think now Drew Brees is tier one. And, and as of right now, it's kind of hard for me to put him there. And you know how much I love Breeze, but, you know, as of right now, I have him and Russell Wilson neck and neck, which is still damn good, in my opinion. But to continue here with this Wednesday installment of Locked On Texans, John and I actually want to continue our pre-free agency mock draft because we all know Nick Casario and the Houston Texans have a lot of different options to go to choose from on how they're going to 
revamp the Houston Texans for this upcoming 2022 season with a new head coach in Lovey Smith. Promising players like Davis Mills, Nico Collins, um, John Gennard. You know, there, there's a lot of great young talent already on this roster. There's promise and hope that the Texans can be a little bit more relevant and a little bit more competitive in 2022. On yesterday, my first pick was Hamilton from Notre Dame. John's first pick was Thibodeau from Oregon. And we're going to continue with the 32nd pick of the second round. And ladies and gentlemen, the Houston Texans are on the clock for Cody Davis. And with the 37th pick, the Houston Texans for Cody Davis select wide receiver Chris Olave from Ohio State. Now, I know some of you guys might be thinking to yourself, why in the world did Cody Davis decide to choose a wide receiver with his second pick in this pre-free agency mock draft? And ladies and gentlemen, look, me personally, I believe it doesn't matter if it's Hamilton or Thibodeau. The Texans are going to get somewhat of uh, the Texans are going to come close to getting a guy who can definitely help revamp that defense. But me personally, the second most important aspect for the Houston Texans this offseason is making sure they go out and get Davis Mills more weapons because at the end of the day when you take a look at a guy like davis mills he is a guy that's going to thrive when you surround him with more weapons when you take a look at chris this is a guy where he's coming in at six foot one six foot two if i'm not mistaken at the combine he ran a four three nine which means you would have not one but two speedy receivers that you can actually have an opportunity for Davis Mills to utilize in that passing game. Not only that, John and listeners, he is a guy. I believe I believe he's more so standing at six foot one. You can actually interchange him between the outside and the slot. And when I take a look at the Houston Texans, especially on how they're going to build this roster surrounding Davis Mills, you got to take a look at the standpoint of they got to get another receiver because last year, yes, Nico Collins showed some promise, but there was a lot of games where it seems like Brandon Cooks was the only wide receiver out there. And with Brandon Cooks going into his final year of his contract, there's a big possibility that he might not resign in 2023. They're going to need receivers to step up and for Davis Mills to continue creating chemistry and camaraderie with. You pair him with a guy like Chris and of course, Nico Collins on the opposite side. I think the Houston Texans will start having something a little bit special cooking down here in the city of Houston. One thing I like about Olave is, you know, I don't want people to get lost in translation when they look at his 40 time, which was blazing hmm. fast. Hmm. But as a receiver, he is a technician, right? Um, I, I think that that is, uh, speaking of the 40, that is an addition of what he can do on the field because he has that speed, but he also can beat you with his route running ability. He also has great hands. He also understands how to find zones and sit in, sit in them and make plays. And so uh, I don't want Olave to be labeled just as a speedy receiver. He's a great technician receiver that has some speed behind him. Like he's blazing fast when he runs at, was it four, three, six, four, three, nine, four, three, nine. Right. And so, 
I'd be okay with Houston going with Olave at that pick. I'm not sure Olave would be available at 37. Hmm. Uh, I did a, a mock draft with the uh, with the uh, the draft network, and he wasn't available for me to pick. But I'll tell you who was available for me to pick, and that is a wide receiver that was also available uh, at 37. Ladies and gentlemen, after watching this young man during the week of the Senior Bowl, after watching how he dominated in the Senior Bowl game, dominated practices, dominated one-on-ones, was able to, at least in day two on, to find some chemistry with the quarterbacks out there. After not playing with any of these quarterbacks, I love the idea of getting someone that tested on the same level as Calvin Johnson. I'm speaking about Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State, 6'4". He ran a 4.36 with a vertical jump of 38.5 and a broad jump of 136. This young man is a freak of nature. This young man, uh, like I mentioned, tested at the Chris, excuse me, the Calvin Johnson levels. And one source of an AFC scout team said they love the kid. He's going to be great in the locker room. He's going to work his tail off every day. So that's one thing. When I look at Watson, I don't see a young man that is going to just strictly rely on his athletic ability. Because when I actually saw him practice, this was before the game. When I saw him going through those drills, going through those practices, at not one point did I think to myself, he's only doing this because he knows he's able to kind of maybe body some of these cornerbacks or outrun them. It seems like this was something that he has consistently worked on. And at 6'4", with a 4'3", 6", I don't think why anybody should want to pass up on that young man. I also have a theory that I don't think he's going to last to the uh, 37 overall pick. But even if he's available, I love him to be in Houston. As you mentioned, Cody, when you look at what Davis Mills needs, he needs someone outside of Brandon Cooks. We already drafted a big receiver in Nico Collins, and that actually I think will set up Houston very well. You would have a bigger receiver on the outside if you can bring in another receiver that can stretch the field for you. And by stretch the field, I'm looking at his two best years at North Dakota. 43 catches for 888 yards. I'm sorry, for 800 yards, seven touchdowns. That year, he averaged 18.6 yards per carry, I mean, per catch. That was last year. In 2020, in a shortened season due to COVID, uh, 18 catches, 473 yards, averaged 24.3 yards per catch. In 2019, 34 catches, 732 yards, six touchdowns, and averaged 21.5 yards per catch. So uh, there's a concern about competition there. Well, when he played the competition and went against the bigger school competition that they had to produce, we look at the Kobe Bryant's, Roger McCreary's throughout practices and throughout the senior bowl, well, he still dominated, right? So I'm not worried about competition. If you can play, you can play. But his big playability is what I like the most and what he can bring out of what this young man can bring to a team. I'm looking at those years where he's averaging over 20 yards per catches, six and seven touchdowns. That's something that I think Houston desperately needs, a receiver that can not only body some of these cornerbacks, win in those possession moments, but also can stretch the field alongside Brandon Cooks. And another reason why I would like to see the Houston Texans take a receiver early in the draft is because 
I think this would be an opportunity for the Texans to get the best out of Nico Collins. And I say that because when you go down and you take a look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and you see what they have been able to establish with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. You take a look at Mike Evans. He's your bigger receiver who can go out there and catch those 50-50 balls against the against the DBs. When you take a look at Chris Godwin, he's a guy speedy receiving that you can utilize both in the slot and in the outside, when you take a look at what Nico Collins can provide, he can be your big receiver, but you will have an opportunity to to lessen his workload and actually pair him with a receiver where both of those guys can establish chemistry and camaraderie with. And I think that is where we are actually going to see the best version of Nico Collins versus if they do. <laughs> like they like when they had DeAndre Hopkins, like when they had Andre Johnson, when you have, okay, you are by far the best receiver on this team. We're going to run everything through you, and then you have a lot of other receivers that, you know, when you have your moment, go out there and shine. No, they need to make sure they have two wide receivers that on any given day they can interchange as the Texans' top receiver. And, Cody, what that does is that means you're going to invest in Davis Mills. Right. I mean, I know a lot of people may be tired of the comparisons, but when we look at Cincinnati, they had three thousand yard receivers. Mm -hmm. Right. We look at what Patrick Mahomes is able to do, uh, you know, over in Kansas City. He has that speedy receiver in Tyreek Hill. And then your next receiver just happens to be uh, Travis Kelsey. But they have been able to find some receivers like a McCole Hartman, who had an improvement this year. To kind of fit in and and play well, like how you mentioning how you mentioned that Nico Collins can play. But you look at Justin Herbert, you know he had two thousand yard receivers, and so the days of just having one dominant receiver and having a, a receiver that can be a number two or a number three on any team, I think those days are at least a little bit over. You ne you definitely need to pair your quarterback, especially a young quarterback with talent that can go out there and make plays consistently. So. I'm looking at a Brandon Cooks, who's already a 1,000-yard receiver. I definitely believe Christian Watson or Olave could help Houston uh, tremendously in their wide receiver game. Thanks for making the Locked On Texans your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life Every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's also free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome back in as we go through our mock draft here with the Locked On Texans. And Cody and I, we did our round two, pick 37. Now we got to look at round three with pick 68. Marcus Cannon, I think the Houston Texans will move on from him this offseason, and that'll save them around $5 million. Charlie Heck is a player that I think the Texans may keep on their roster. You always need a body just in case. But there, there should be no real investment in Charlie Heck being the starter uh, for the Houston Texans moving forward. Um, and there's been a lot back and forth with that right side for the Texans, not able to create a push, right? We talked earlier in the season about how that was the weaker side of the offensive line for the Texans. And we went down to the numbers where the Texans are able to get a push more so 
through the middle or the left side than they have been on the right side. With that being said, I look at Kentucky's Darian Kennard to bring in the big nasty plays tackle for the uh, Kentucky Wildcats. I think that because of some of his inefficiencies at tackle, he'll slide down over to guard, which is 100% okay. That happens a lot. But I think when you look at a player that's 6'5", uh, has his strength, he's just he's able to be nasty at the line of scrimmage. I've seen him plenty of times. He's kind of bored those guys out the way. And he has the ability. I think he's athletic enough to when the Texans may need for him to pull, have a pulling assignment, he's able to get to his spot uh, on time. He's able to make an impact block quickly enough to provide the Texans what they need in that run game. And that's something that Pep Hamilton, Lovey Smith, Nick Casario, they've all emphasized on getting better at running the ball. I'll also look at his combine stats. Ran a 5-3, 40-yard dash, a vertical jump of 25. You're not really necessarily looking at a vertical jump for your offensive lineman. Broad jump of 99. Again, that doesn't necessarily really matter. The three-cone drill, 8.1. The 20-yard shuttle, a 4 9 6 has this very thick tree trunk frame about him, solid, big guy. Uh, also has a great wingspan and enormous hands as well. So uh, he's able to get to his gap when he needs to quickly and really move guys out the way. And, again, I'm okay with moving him down from tackle to guard if that means we're going to be able to get the best version out of him to him to get him to succeed in the NFL. And uh, I'd, be, I'd be satisfied that pick if Kenora was drafted by the Houston Texans. Before I give my pick, I do want to mention this. We are officially in the third round at pick number 68. And John, you know me, this is my favorite round of the NFL draft because I do believe this is where a lot of team finds gems. Yeah. Guys that unfortunately fell down the draft board for one reason or another. And when you go back and you take a look at players that has been selected in the third round, you, you want to find some pretty, some damn good players. As a matter of fact, we started this show off talking about Russell Wilson. He was a third round pick as well, correct? Uh, third or fourth. That, yeah, that so. year, Seattle <laughs> drafted crazy. So. Yeah, man. So, you know, then, of course, you know, maybe the Houston Texans might have an, another third-round gem on their, on their hands already in Davis Mills. But a guy who might be there at pick number 67 for the Houston Texans is edge rusher Majay Sanders. And I like when that I take kid a look too, at man. I like him. Yes, yes. And he is a guy... Him. He is a guy that I actually want to see the Texans pair alongside that defensive end with John Gennard because I do believe Gennard's best attribute, as we all seen, is to get after a quarterback. That is a young man who finished his sophomore season recording eight to eight and a half sacks last year, and it would have been more had he stayed healthy. But the Houston Texans need somebody who can also get after the quarterback but at the same time, stop the run as well, as well. When I take a look at Sanders, that's what I see out of that young man. And if he's there at pick number 68, the Houston Texans, I don't care if Thibodeau or Hutchison was their first selection. They have to go out and get that young man because I do believe he will be one of the guys when we go back and revisit the draft of 2022. He's going to be a guy that we say, how in the hell did Sanders fall all the way down to the third round? As a matter of fact, he was one of the reasons why 
Cincinnati had a tremendous college um, season last year when they went 13-1. and As we all know, they lost to the Cotton Bowl in the college football playoffs to Alabama. But that young man can ball, finish his collegiate career with 13 and a half sacks. As I mentioned, he's a guy that can get out the quarterback. But at the same time, he can stop the run. And that's what the Houston Texans definitely, definitely need on that defensive front. Uh, also, that's another kid I, has, I had an opportunity to watch at the Senior Bowl, and it seemed like uh, from day one all the way to game day, you were able to see a switch in him. He got better day-to-day, drill-to-drill, and uh, he has some things he definitely needs to work on, no doubt about it, just like every player coming out. But he does have some talent and a knack to get out the quarterback, and he also is not scared to get in that run game and be physical as well. And so – uh, the third round is a is a pick, like you said, is a round rather where the Texans can find some gems. And Majay Sanders is one of those players where you know he could come in and be very helpful to your front four if given the right opportunity. I'm Johnson Sports Guy Hickman. Thank you for checking out. I'm sorry. No, I was gonna say, and let's not let's not forget to mention there's a great possibility that the Texans will lose Jacob Martin in free agency. So they're going to need somebody to come in and fill his role to start, you know, you know, being a rotational guy. But at some point, you can get a better version of Jacob Martin in Sanders. Didn't think about it that way. They may lose him. You're right. I, I don't think the Texans should reach back out <laughs> to Jacob Martin. But thank you for checking out today's show. I'm Justin Sports Guy Hickman. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Texans. Like us on Twitter as well. Like us on Facebook, I'm sorry. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman 12, and subscribe to the Locked On Texas YouTube page. Comment and share. Tell all your friends about it as well. And if you follow me on Twitter, I will be talking heavily about a couple of things. The free agency that's coming up, some of these uh, quarterback moves, <laughs> and the Batman. So, Was it good? I thought it was a good movie. I, mm-hmm. I thoroughly enjoyed the second half of that movie. The movie's three hours long. <laughs> when it picked up, it picked up very nice. Well, Marvel three. movies are three hours long too, but nobody complained about that. But then yeah, it is Marvel. It's Marvel. But Matt Reeves <laughs> did a great job. I thought Robert Patterson was a good uh, Batman. And I'm excited to see how they're going to create the Bruce Wayne effect with Robert Patterson moving forward in the movies that they have planned to come out. So uh, I'm thoroughly invested. This is what I've been wanting to kind of see out of the Batman move forward since Christopher Nolan. And I thought Ben Affleck was a good Batman as well. Let me throw it out there. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.